Aloha Kako. You are listening to Native Stories. Native Stories exist to share the voices of those connected to the land. Our vision is to create a resource for Pilina or connection to place, and Native Stories aims to activate Indigenous perspectives. Aloha Kako. Ova o nanea loko ina no papukleo ahu maeau nohoao ma kikapu ame wichita. Hello everyone, my name is Nanea Lo and I come from Papakalea Oahu and I'm now residing in Kikapu and Wichita land or better known as Dallas, Texas and mahalo nui for joining us on another episode of Native Stories. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Victor Liman and I personally know Victor from the Department of Urban and Regional Planning at UH Manoa. Um, and in today's episode, we will be talking about remapping of Hawaii, Filipino allyship and solidarity, Kanakamoli and Filipino activism, and connections, and much, much more. So I'm very excited. So a little bit more about Victor. Victor is a cartographer from the Philippines and a graduate student at the Department of Urban and Regional Planning at UH Manoa. For his thesis research, he's working on a machine learning model for analyzing the spatial distribution of household populations using satellite imagery. He's currently working on an atlas of West Maui. So, aloha, Victor, my kind of longtime friend. I miss you, and I will be coming home to you soon. Um, (laughs) So, can you share with our listeners a little bit where you're from and where do you live now? Uh, sure. Yeah. But, um, but again, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah. So as you said, I'm a graduate student and I'm Filipino born and raised in Manila. Although my parents are from the Northern part, the Cordilleras. Um, so my mother is Ilocano um, and my father is uh, Igorot. Um, yeah, and I came to Hawaii almost um, two years ago to get my master's degree. And it's just an amazing privilege um, to be here, um, to study here, uh, to make friends, um, and to work with really amazing people. Um, I live in Kaimuki now, um, which I, I got here because he used to live in the same apartment. And you asked me if I wanted to move into one of the vacant rooms. And so here I am. So what brought you to the Hawaiian Kingdom? And yeah, can you share with us that story of connection? I like love your story because personally, I have a lot of Filipino friends. Um, I grew up in Papakalea, but I've moved a, a lot on Oahu from um, living there. I've lived in like... Kalihi or like Palama area so Mm -hmm. and I went to a few high schools um, McKinley High School and I've gone to Monolua High School a few high schools even one of my ex-boyfriends were Filipino so I um, felt that it's important to share like those connections with you know our cousins that's you know over there and over here (laughs) yeah definitely and um and my story isn't actually something that I expected to unfold either. Um, well, I first came here to Hawaii in 2017, so like three years ago, it was for a conference um, on Pacific Studies in Maui, in Lahaina. 
And um, so it was the West Maui Conference for Pacific Peoples and their environments. And um, I was presenting a paper on the use of maps in like news reports of crises and disasters. Um, but I had an amazing time. And, um, but before that, shortly before that, I was um, helping um, a Native Hawaiian activist group um, <clears throat> who are um, trying to um, preserve um, EV um, in this development area in South Maui. And um, they're called Malama Kakanilua. And I was um, helping them um, transcribe um, these court proceedings so that uh, they can read them right away and not wait for the official transcript, which will be posted um, online. So I was trying to help uh, with that. And so even before I came to uh, West Maui, like I knew, you know, these activists um, organization and um, their members before. And when I got to Lahaina, I was just really stoked to like um, meet them and um, uh, share uh, share stories with them. And so <clears throat> um, they they, um, they eventually offered me a GA ship at the um, at the uh, at Derp, and that's basically the reason why I I got here. Um, so they got me a GA ship to produce an atlas for West Maui, which I will be completing very, very soon. And I'm really excited to share my work with you guys um, very soon, like possibly end of this year. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later because I'm also very excited about that. Um, so speaking kind of about activism, I know that you've been kind of an activist like for a while now can you share with us the kinds of things um in the philippines that you know you were doing or how you got involved in activism to begin with in the philippines um and how it kind of maybe segued on into hawaii as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so um a lot of the things um that were concerned here in hawaii are also things that um, people in the Philippines are concerned about. So like land issues, indigenous peoples being driven away from their lands, their lands being desecrated, destroyed, exploited. Um, so it's the same thing. Um, some people are um, discriminated against based on their um, uh, ethnicity, um, based on their class. Um, and basically the Philippines is still, uh, what we call a neo-colony. So it's not necessarily like a colony, like it has a nominal independence, but a lot of its politics, economy, culture, um, is dominated by the United States. And I feel like that's, um, uh, th that's another thing that the Philippines shares with Hawaii because both the Philippines and Hawaii are sovereign nations, but they're, um, they, they can't, um, they seem to be um, limited um, uh, with what uh, they want for themselves and what they want the future to look like because of this, um, because of the United States and its um, hold on its politics, economy, culture, ways of thinking. 
yeah, like when I read about the history of the Hawaiian Kingdom and, you know, there's a lot of newspaper articles about around the same time, there's like Philippines, Puerto Rico, and there's like pictures of our people, you know, the um, newspaper sketches, Mm -hmm. cartoons. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like there's such a close relation to the Hawaiian Kingdom and the Philippines because there is that history of oppression from Mm -hmm. the United States there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that you have been working closely with trying to unify um, the the Philippines and Filipinos that are in Hawaii with kind of connecting what's going on in the Philippines and like holding solidarity and space for that. Can you Mm -hmm. share with us kind of how Mm -hmm. you've made space for that and helped to get that moving? I know that, just this past weekend, there was a march for um, against colonialism and racism. And I saw that you had gone with your group. Uh, could you share with us kind of mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. bit? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but maybe just to add on to like what we were discussing earlier about activism. Um, I mean, as, as you were saying, like we were doing a lot of um, things currently. Um, but activism isn't like a new thing. Um, both, uh, it's not it's not new to the Filipinos and it's not new to Native Hawaiians. Um, I think a lot of um, um, a lot of like the mainstream impression is that Native Hawaiians have not actively resisted colonialism, and that the Filipinos welcome the Americans as well because they brought us supposedly civilization and democracy. But that's that. It's definitely not true. From the very beginning, Native Hawaiians and Filipinos have actively resisted colonialism. It's not new. Um, we've been doing it. We're doing it right now, but we've been doing it for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, but currently, um, I mean, for for us uh, Filipino activists here, we've been quite busy. There's been a lot of things going on both here and back home. Um, so recently we went to the U.S. consulate to um, protest um, the uh, passage of a law that would allow the government to tag any person as a suspected terrorist, arrest him and put him to jail right away, um, just based on a mere suspicion of that person being a terrorist, you know, whatever terrorism means for them. and. Um, yeah, and so we were, um, we were, we had a lot of people who came to that, about like 50 people. We had people from Refuse Fascism, Cancel RIMPAC, the Hawaii Workers Center, and the Hawaii for Community, uh, the Hawaii Community for Human Rights in the Philippines. Um, but before that and after that, we have been um, joining a lot of like uh, solidarity marches for Black Lives Matter. And just recently, we also uh, were part of um, a, a, a protest rally at the Capitol for Local 5, because uh, we were trying to um, protest this practice of hotel workers laying off, um, I mean, practice of hotels laying off their workers so that they can rehire them through an agency, which means they'll be contractual, 
you won't have benefits, perhaps even lower wages. And so these hotels are really taking advantage of the situation. And we want to stand in solidarity, not just with our fellow indigenous peoples, but also with um, um, working class um, people of color. I know, I should actually, I want to have um, somebody from Local 5 come on and talk about all of their good work that they've been doing, especially with workers from the hotel industry and from like different areas like Kalihi. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing to see the turnout and the solidarity that they've been bringing throughout the, those communities. I've been like, I have a friend um, who works in Local 5 and she's just been doing awesome work with them. Um, I think yeah, organizing workers. That. Yeah, organizing, like, and I've seen them do other stuff, too, like, with um, the flight attendants and just mm. all types of issues. Mm. There's been so many issues, as everybody mm. knows yeah. right now. Mm. I mean, We're very lucky flight, to yeah. see community, uh, I mean, communications, one of the communications officers of Local 5 is a member of Unappliant, and like another organizer of Local 5 is a member of Unappliant. So we, um, it, it's a great opportunity for, for both, for, for both um, organizations to um, work together. Yeah, so that's what it's called, Unappliant. So, so, um, is that just a grassroots organization that you and a few people made here, or is it like an extension of something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Anakbayan is uh, actually the largest um, youth activist organization in the Philippines. Um, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but it's a huge, um, it's a huge organization. And Anakbayan um, here is actually a chapter of Anakbayan Philippines, like it's an overseas chapter. Um, across the so-called United States, uh, we have um, about six, uh, how many? I'm not sure how many chapters there are, but um, members are like, I think around 500 people. Um, so we're, we're quite, um, we're growing. Um, and the chapter here was, we just launched it early this year actually just before um, the lockdown. So we were able to, we were one of the last um, people to be able to hold a gathering um, oh, wow. before, the lock, before the lockdown happened, just, just a day before. Like UH closed um, the day after we held our launch. So That was uh, in March, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, but we, actually have been um, uh, doing a lot of things even before that. Um, uh, last, so last year, we even went to the Mauna to uh, show our solidarity um, and uh, stand with uh, Native Hawaiians in defending the Aina. So, um, but we were officially launched as, an, as a registered independent organization in March at UH. That's right. Um, when I was up on the Mauna or up at Pu'u Hulu Hulu, for doing the Mauna series, actually, I was so stoked to see Victor up there with, um, you know, his homies. And they actually bought Makana during one of the um, ceremonies. So that was amazing to see. It just flutters my now 
to see solidarity all across the world. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask, like, in the Philippines, what did you get your undergraduate degree? Um, just mm -hmm. to kind of give mm -hmm. a process on, you know, what was beforehand in the Philippines and then, you know, doing your master's in urban yeah. planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so my undergrad is in uh, geography um, at the University of the Philippines. And um, I started, uh, actually started studying political science, but ended up shifting to geography, um, partly because uh, my personal opinions towards studying politics um, changed. So I, I thought that, um, you know, politics can be learn or actually even better learned outside the classroom and i thought that i did i didn't really need a uh, i didn't really need a degree um for that i mean just personally that i would rather like learn it elsewhere um than in the classroom and so my personal opinions towards studying politics changed and um, partly also because i found out that making maps is like really a lot of fun um so yeah, um, so I came to Hawaii as an urban planning um, major because I, I thought it was like a, a cool extension of my work in geography to be really specific into the city as a place that can be planned, that can be managed in a way that works for everyone, not just for a few people. Yeah, I give you so much props because I know that you work in GIS and GIS is like a mapping program. And when you're in urban planning, you have to take a GIS class or course and I am just terrible at it. So <laughs> when his book comes out, you guys are gonna be blown away. Um, also- I hope I don't disappoint though. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a difficult project. Um, I mean, I think I was um, telling you one time before that um, really the main, because I'm making an atlas for West Mali, yeah? and I think the, um, there's just so many challenges and difficulties of like mapping an indigenous place. Um, most maps ever are, are done by um, not indigenous people or not people of color. Cartographers are mostly old and white and male. And so, um, I mean, of course, that's changing, and a lot of like people of color and indigenous peoples and women are uh, are being and queer people are uh, becoming cartographers. But for a very long time, cartographers are white and male, and um, and that shows in how maps are um, produced. And so, all of these things that govern or like guide how maps are made are basically very white and very male and so it's a challenge to rethink those um concepts or ideas or practices when making a map of um like a place like west maui even the name you know like west maui is not an indigenous name it's basically kaanapali and lahaina and so you know that's another like difficulty do you call it west maui or do you call it Kaanapali and Lahaina, you know? So um, there's also the, you know, language and most maps are written in English. Um, and so another 
difficulty is to make a map that uses the native Hawaiian language. Um, yeah, and also like the way that we indigenous peoples have like look at the, uh, look at place or look at land. Like we don't necessarily look at North, East, West, South. I mean, those could be important, you know, um, directions for us, um, but not all the time. And in maps, it's it's just North, East, West, South. But for, for example, for Native Hawaiians, um, there's uh, Malka and Makai as like really important um, uh, directional symbols. But how do you, how do you, um, represent that on a map. I I don't know of any map that has ever um, tried to use Malka and Makai instead of like um, the North as like a, a, a directional symbol. And um, that's one of the things that I'm trying to attempt in this, um, in this atlas to use indigenous ways or indigenous perspectives of, uh, you know, cartography. Yeah, when you first mentioned that you were um, collaborating with people like Noi Noi Silva um, to really bring remapping and recentering and refocusing Kanaka Mo'oli, Olalo Hawai'i, and Ike Hawai'i knowledge, that was, I was just mm -hmm. like, yes, Victor! Because <laughs> especially in urban planning or in a lot of the professional realms in Hawaii, it's dominant of white male mm. men, like you have said. And mm. um, we really do need to start remapping every scape, including maps, mm. to incorporate mm. those knowledge systems. Because if we don't have it, then, you know, mm. it erases our voices mm. and our history that's there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you share, you, like you look at the map. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, oh. No, go. I was just saying, like, just look at the map of the United States and just it's all like arbitrary straight lines, you know. So these are, you know, there's the, the lines in the, the boundary lines between the states are, are so straight. I like, like, I mean, they're arbitrary um, as opposed to, um, let's say, look at maps of like American um, or Native American territories, and they're so complex, you know, because they're actually real. They're, you know, these boundaries or these territories or these spatial representations are like lived experiences as opposed to fake or like fake boundary lines or fake state lines, you know, which are just basically made up. And so, as as you said, yeah, we need to like rethink that and be more truthful to the history of the land by mapping it in a different, hopefully indigenous way. Yeah, exactly. And speaking about mapping, it makes me think of like the kind of things that I've read on the Mahele and how in old documents, um, like when I've gone to the archives, like I read these documents on how things are were mapped out. And, you know, before there was like, a coconut tree or a wall there and so it's interesting to see kind of the evolution of mapping and quote-unquote property um mm -hmm. as time has passed and mm -hmm. when you started telling me that you were doing this mapping project or remapping 
I mean, it's of Maui, but hopefully this project can expand wider or be, become something bigger. Um, mm-hmm. It really excited me because it made me think of, yeah, just going back to that history from before, you know, and how, just how exciting it is that, like, in general, there's these amazing projects that are going on that mm-hmm. are even going on, period. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very, very honored to be doing this kind of work, and I wouldn't be able to um, come here without um, without the GA ship. And I'm I'm just really honored and privileged that I've been given this work, and I just hope that I would be able to do it justice. And hopefully, it will sort of like inspire, as you said, like more um, similar projects, and hopefully, more Native Hawaiians could be part of um, of such projects. Yeah, speaking of Native Hawaiians being involved in the project, um, and I already mentioned one person, but who else has been, or like who has been in collaboration with you and helping you with the project itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I took a class with Como uh, Noa Silva um, in the fall semester, and I briefly had a conversation with her about like um, how I could go about this. I mean, um, I'm indigenous, but I'm not Native Hawaiian, and so I felt like I should be um, actively um, asking um, advice and um, knowledge from um, Native Hawaiians. So I reached out to her and I told her about the project, and she was um, uh, very excited about it. And I, I look forward to um, collaborating more with her and asking for more advice with her because um, I don't know Native Hawaiian, the Native Hawaiian language. But I do feel that it's a very crucial part of um, uh, how to make maps more, um, if not more indigenous, um, more critical against the use of colonial languages in depicting indigenous lands or in representing indigenous lands. Um, of course, I've been um, uh, working with um, the, the Native Hawaiian communities in uh, West Maui as well. So part of the reason why uh, um, they even wanted this atlas. It's not just to reclaim history and space as you presented on maps, but reclaiming actual space. Um, so as, as some of you might know, um, there's a lot of um, activist um, activism going on in West Maui in regards to um, land rights. Um, so my friend Vance Collins is a lawyer there and he's been working, um, uh, you know, Malamaka Kanua, um, with regards to um, preserving EV burials. <clears throat> and um, recently he has also helped this Native Hawaiian um, family, um, the Kapu family, um, to reclaim um, um, their ancestral lands. Um, and it's a, it's a landmark case. And um, um, they were able to do it by um, uh, proving their um, ancestry, their connection to the land. And um, a huge part of that is research, um, looking at old maps, retracing how land has been passed from one generation to another. And so this map will, I mean, my atlas will not only include like, you know, pretty maps, but also um, um, old maps that might be able to show how Native Hawaiians can relearn their um, um, 
or rediscover their um, ancestral ties to land. And hopefully that would lead to um, reclaiming those lands for their future generations. Yes, I forgot that you mentioned about how you're going to have kind of a feature in there to kind of discover different older like land parcel numbers and that kind of thing, which I think is amazing. I can't wait till it comes mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So um, the Atlas will have like sort of a reference map and then everything will be online too. So because there's just a lot of maps, but um, I'm able to like get all of them so that people wouldn't like go searching for them in like really old ass um, PDF. So I've organized that and it will be on a reference of that will be on the Atlas and then everything else will be online. Amazing. That's my friend, y'all. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you because I know you're not only involved in, you know, Filipino activism and like being connected with Native Hawaiians and that kind of stuff. Um, what other community work do you do in the Hawaiian Kingdom? Um, like, I know you're in the Sierra Club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, so um, part of the, um, the Sierra Club, um, I'm the treasurer. Um, I'm also part of the student media board um, at UH. Um, I was also treasurer um, for, for that. Um, what else? I'm working with this group of people at the Sierra Club. Um, we're planning to do an environmental justice podcast since, you know, environmental issues are not just environmental. They involve people and politics and economics. And um, also, as uh, as you know, like we founded um, the Planners of Hawaii Together, um, which is the only, right now the only registered independent organization at DERP. And it's mostly... Um, uh, mostly people of color and um, in the short span that um, we've existed um, we've actually done quite a few things we had um, two we hosted two um, talks the first one was about kahuku um, uh, the, the kahuku windmills and it, um, I mean hosting that was our, our response to the fact that we think that community issues should have a, should have a much larger role in educating young planners, and that we're we're supposed to have this conversations, even if these conversations are difficult and might lead to a lot of disagreements or like make people uncomfortable. But these are really important issues that we we as planners should not avoid, but we should actively engage with. And so we hosted that. And then we're very um, also um, privileged to have um, uh, David Karabelnikov, who is a native Alaskan. Um, he was visiting Hawaii and we were able to invite him over to talk story with us. So he just talked, um, uh, and we collaborated with the law school as well for this. Um, they provided us a really nice venue and provided snacks and all that to welcome David. And David talked about um, decolonizing energy. And it's a very, um, uh, very interesting topic um, of how energy um, has served colonial purposes and continues to do so. And like, how can we actively resist that and change that? And um, yeah, um, 
David is a native Alaskan was able to like really give us a few ideas of how to go about doing that. Yeah, mahalo for sharing that. Planners of Hawaii, I think as a native Hawaiian, you know, urban planner, part of why I wanted to go into urban planning is because I noticed that my voice and my face and my people were missing from that scape. And even going into urban planning at UH Manoa, I felt disconnected from my department because Mm -hmm. we don't have even in the faculty, the representation that I want, like I would like to see or the faces like Mm -hmm. familiar faces. So creating planners of Hawaii. Yeah. Was very necessary. And I'm so thankful to have you as a co-founder because bringing those voices in, especially from Kuhuku and David, like these indigenous voices that are actively working on the land and a part there, you know, helping the planning process is important. Um, Mm -hmm. Urban and regional planning, especially in Hawaii, the Department of Urban and Regional Planning produces these planners that from all over the place, all over the world. And a lot of them are from Turtle Island and they moved to Hawaii thinking, you know, this is such a fun, exotic place. Mm. And, but not having the full history and like reverence of what is Hawaiian kingdom history. Um, what is, you know, the politics that are at hand, what are the mapping and everything in that sort. And I feel that department especially needs to be cognizant of the history that was in place and they need to do a better job in educating their students because when those people graduate, they're obtaining planning jobs and working in Hawaii Mm. and basically screwing up the plans because they don't have that (laughs) cultural background or relationships with the community that they're working with. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like Planners of Hawaii is a good place to start. Um, And I'm glad that other departments see the importance with that, like the law school. Um, Mm -hmm. I know they've Mm -hmm. been a good partnership in really realizing that yeah, like indigenous knowledges and native Hawaiian knowledge in Hawaii is important and needs to be highlighted. And those mm-hmm. works of other BIPOC people, especially needs to be mm-hmm. voiced. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully we yeah, can get really like, on here. <laughs> yeah, and I really like um, the name that, because uh, you thought about the name Planners of Hawaii. And I think it's a really, really excellent name because um, planners aren't just planners they belong to hawaii and so like that's why planners of hawaii is such a great name because it, it's a reminder that we're part of of the place you know we belong to the place um uh you know in different ways of course like native hawaiians have ancestral ties to the land and um you know but other people can be can belong to uh, a land too in terms of like fighting for it fighting alongside mm-hmm. those who come from it so I think Planets of Hawaii is just a very complex and just a very interesting name. And so I'm glad you chose that name. I'm glad people are on board with it. I mean, and it's cool, too, because we have such a diverse membership. We don't only have urban planners. We have other people mm-hmm. who are in political science, who are in, mm-hmm. yeah, like 
architecture, like, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, going to the University of Hawaii, it is a colonial structure, but there are a lots mm -hmm. of Native and Indigenous BIPOC people and allies who mm -hmm. need space and community cross disciplines to really, like, get a full view on the future that they're trying to build for Hawaii or for other sectors of wherever they're from. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to have that collective, those collective minds come together um, mm -hmm. is amazing yeah. for planners of white. Hopefully we can create more space when maybe COVID dies down and everything, mm -hmm. you know, starts <laughs> to be more chill, but yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So after obtaining your master's from, you know, DERP, uh, what mm -hmm. are your plans after? Oh, that's a, um, a very good question and a difficult one because just because of what's going on, you know, like it's just so difficult to plan ahead. I mean, I, I, I do have um, plans prior to the plague, but, you know, the plague sort of like put everything on pause. I mean, it's difficult to explain, like, it's, it's just difficult to plan what you're going to do, like, in the next month or like, you know, by the end of the year, but um, I'm supposed to finish um, my master's uh, last spring, but I'm taking my time. So I'll take another year. And uh, after that, I, I, I would like to continue um, studying, like getting my PhD. Um, here or elsewhere, um, yeah. Um, it, but <laughs> I don't know, like, um, what's gonna happen. But uh, in the long term, um, I want to be able to um, uh, make a difference in the Philippines or whichever community I'm I'm in. But definitely uh, in the Philippines, because there's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done there. Um, Manila is such a beautiful city, um, but it, you know, because of like colonial um, destruction, uh, because of like um, incompetence by um, um, the powerful and the wealthy who are in government, um, you know, Manila has degraded into this like city that um, has lost its like innate beauty. And I want to be able to um, reclaim that and make it uh, a place that, you know, that works for um, most people and not just like the wealthy and powerful few. I know. I just watched a kind of documentary on, I think it was Amazon Prime or Hulu on Imelda Carlos. I think it's like the, I forget what the name was, but I was yeah. just blown away by mm -hmm, the immense mm -hmm. wealth that they had. And yeah, mm -hmm. like how corrupt the government is in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, if anybody gets a chance to watch that, I think it's called The Queen's People or, or something like that. Imelda mm -hmm. Carlos, or just Google Imelda Carlos or the Carloses for the Philippines. It's like mind blowing. Um, <laughs> and so I like to ask. It's Imelda everybody, Marcos. 
Oh, Imelda Marcos. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but so I like to ask everybody this um, at the end of our episode, but mm -hmm. what do you mm -hmm. envision for the pe people, um, for your peoples in the future? And I guess what do you envision for the people of Hawaii since we're, you're in Hawaii? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if I told you this, but when um, uh, I was on the Mon, I think it was the first time, um, so July of last year. So um, um, I joined this class about like what a decolonial Hawaii looks like in the future. Um, so a guy from the Future Studies Department at UH were, uh, was facilitating the discussion. It was a very lively conversation and people were sharing about what, you know, a future decolonial Hawaii looks like. And um, uh, what I remember saying is that, um, of course, a, decolon a future decolonial Hawaii um, should be shaped and will be shaped by Native Hawaiians themselves. They should, uh, you guys should figure it out on your own, but um, uh, we as like fellow indigenous and people of color should be able to um, support you and and make that uh, a reality. Um, but when it became a, when it becomes a reality, I think that a decolonial Hawaii will be such an inspiration for other indigenous peoples who are um, of, uh, resisting the same things and are fighting for the same values. And um, and hopefully a decolonial Hawaii will be able to support these other movements as well. Um, because, um, yeah, it will be a big blow to U.S. imperialism if Hawaii or the Philippines is able to um, break its chains. Um, and I think that's um, like the biggest contribution of the, of the Native Hawaiian movement to show that our enemy is not invincible, that um, um, we can succeed. And um, that'll be a great inspiration for the rest of the world. I like that you mentioned future studies because I actually took a, a futures class in political science and it was mind-blowing. I, If anybody can take political science futurisms, it's amazing. It really challenges you to think as, you know, a person and what you're doing in life. Like, how do you affect the broader scapes of life and how future can be different futures can be achieved. Um, mm -hmm. Also today, I actually saw that breaking news from Indie Country today, the court actually ordered the shutdown and removal of oil from the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, yeah, so hello to you guys. Um, that's like huge news. Um, so I think I was reading the article. They have 30 days to remove the oil from the pipeline, and you yeah. know, f that you pipeline. Feed, like the thing about the bubonic plague, and now the Dakota Access Pipeline. Those two are also on my news feed. <laughs> yeah, there's something that came out today like about the bubonic plague coming out in um, China, and how yeah. daunting that sounds. The black bubonic plague. But um, so wrapping it up, how can people get involved in the different um, 
community work and associations that you're with? And do you have a call to action for our listeners? If you guys want to get more involved um, in, in various organizations or movements, um, um, if, if you're into environmental justice, all you tree huggers out there, um, or if, you, if you're just really passionate about an environment, um, please do consider volunteering um, or donating um, to the Sierra Club. Or um, if you just want to know more about um, environmental issues, um, please, please feel free to sign up or just go to our website. Um, if you're Filipino or if you feel strongly about um, standing uh, in solidarity with uh, Filipinos, um, please consider joining um, an appliant at UH Manoa or the Hawaii Committee for Human Rights in the Philippines who are doing really uh, excellent um, legislative advocacy work here in Hawaii. Um, what else? Um, or Planners of Hawaii um, at UH as well. So hopefully we can get the, the talk series up and going again. Um, we've been derailed by the plague, but um, we should be able to soldier on and host more um, talk story sessions. Um, what else? Um, but I think, so you were saying like, if I have like a sort of um, call to action for our listeners? Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess like since we're talking about um, um, make, uh, finding space, um, and I think it's a, a one good um, reminder or a lesson that I learned when we were um, founding Planners of Hawaii. Um, I think my, my call to action would be like, if you can't like find space where you can express yourself, organize yourself, or like just um, uh, advocate for the things that um, you think are right, or um, build the future that you want to see. If you, I think like if you don't, if you can't find that space, or if you're being excluded from the spaces that are available, you should just make your own and um, just, uh, and, and you have to like really, um, I guess, uh, fight for it because, um, and I don't hesitate in saying that because um, just historically uh, these spaces are uh, denied um, uh, from us. We're actively excluded from a lot of these spaces as indigenous and um, people of color or queer people. And so we have to remember that, that sometimes we, it's not possible for us to find spaces that would welcome us and which would allow us to become who we are and say and fight for what we want. So we have to just actively create that space and defend that space. And, um, and it's exciting and fun work actually. Um, yeah, so I look forward to um, um, creating these spaces with um, Native Hawaiians um, people of color and like queer people and workers and um, hopefully we'll be able to um, do that um, even with the with the plague going on <laughs> yes my fist is in the air as he's professing that action to you all to challenge you all to go out there and get it done um Lastly, uh, do you have any last thoughts or was that the 
the last message that you want to share with them? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good note to end with. (laughs) (laughs) But but thank you again for um, for this um, really great opportunity. Um, I mean, as you said, there's a lot of work being done. And sometimes you don't even know that these um, uh, things are happening just because, you know, most people who do this kind of work don't really advertise it. They just do it. And like, we don't even know about it. And so I'm, I'm really privileged and honored to be here to be talking about my work um, when all of these other amazing work is happening as well. And hopefully um, we can find out more about them too. Yes. Mahalo for coming on Native Stories. Um, it's been a long time coming. coming and mm-hmm. mahalo nui for everyone uh, in tuning in on another episode of Native Stories. If you want to connect with us further, please do. We are currently looking for more stories and podcast hosts uh, for collaborations. And we just did a kupuna kahea. Uh, so... We recognize that we have, we've been getting a lot of feedback from folks um, who want to capture some stories from their kupuna. So if you have a kupuna out there that wants to tell their place-based story, um, hit us up. You can hit us up on Instagram, Our Native Stories. You can follow us on Facebook, Native Stories, um, and message us there. Um, and if you want to listen to more podcasts, please download our mobile app. It has some walking tours on there of Oahu, but we will be putting more uh, place-based walking tours of other islands and spaces soon. Um, yes, so get at us. And we share daily Maya on Native and Indigenous knowledges and things so make sure to you know share with your family and friends our podcast our app um the kaheas that are going out our call to actions and native stories prides ourselves in being your resource and the more you share the more our native and indigenous knowledges and truths are told so sending plenty of aloha to you all out there and mahalo nui again peace